This is producer Rachel with a warning that the pod you are about to hear contains some, as Arlo White would say, fruity language. To the pod. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! Live from a sold-out showbox, Sodo, in Seattle, Washington, and... Not the crap part, because there is no crap part. On day three of a Copa das Copas 2018, it's the Men in Blazers Across America Road Trip Podcast Raj. Oh, Seattle! It is amazing to be back in back. your city. This, back. This truly great footballing mecca. Yeah. On this evening, which is just, and I say this with my nipples tingling. Yeah. 2,591 days away from World Cup 2026. I am going to count down every bloody day. Here we are in your city, this city, which for both of us is up there with a footballing must-see great ones. Dortmund, Valencia, why are you laughing? I think that's security. There's someone from Portland here. Uh, I think he can... I'll start again. I think, he, I think he can feel where this joke's going, Rog. <laughs> right. Dortmund. Yeah. Valencia. Crystal Bloody Palace. Seattle. Oh, and we are here to celebrate... Rogue State 2018. Let's do it. There is no Crystal Palace anymore, Rod. Seattle is real. It's really just Croydon. Okay, what a day. What it is. It's just Croydon. There's no place called Crystal Palace. It burned to the ground. My mum watched it from a bedroom window as a young girl. Okay. What a day of football we had today at the World Cup, Rod. Can I just say, when the World Cup, when the final whistle goes, Dave, when the final whistle goes at the end of the games, yeah. I feel so bereft and lonely. Yeah. I, I just there like, is really nothing else in Roger's life. <laughs> it's true, really. It is true. But um, what a day of football. Started early, Rog. I mean, hats off, West Coast soccer viewers. We've been up a long time, 3 a.m., Rog. What a day it was. And what better place we're, we're, to spend it you than guys here? Had, you guys had to get up in 2017 to watch <laughs> the 2018 World Cup. What better place to spend it, Rog, in this emerald city, a World Cup host city in 2026? <laughs> Depending on how much money you put in the envelopes. <laughs> a town that gave the world so much that it holds dear. Like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> La Frappuccino. <laughs> and Kenny Bloody Easley. The Enforcer. Oh, I love an Enforcer. Oh, and Rog, from a footballing soccer perspective, some of America's greatest have been forged here, like the one goat we can all agree on, Michelle Akers. Can I just do a quick shout-out to the Shawcrest Scots? Yeah. Any Shawcrest Scots here? Oh. I, I don't know, someone just fell from a great height at the back of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> They're like... 
You had but, no idea that was going to divide the room. Can, can I say, when, my, when I was young, my hair looked like that. Yeah, <laughs> it actually did. That's the amazing thing. Me and Akers were always confused for each other. Yeah, except I, I, the, my, the minute they had you play football, everybody knew. I used to be a, I used to, I used to be a stunt double. Yeah. Okay. Also from Seattle, Rog, Casey Keller. When they build the power-balled American goalkeeper Mount Rushmore. Yeah, we're working on it. That's the first shiny cranium that will be carved into it. it. And of course, Rog, our friend, the one true Geordie from the Northwest, DeAndre Yedlin. I'm scared to say this after how well the last high school went down. But from O'Day High School, Fighting Irish. <laughs> oh my God. Note to selves, do not mention high schools. Yeah, we gotta, producer J-Dubs, we're gonna yeah. cut the... Uh, yeah, high school stuff. He's just, all right, from Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to the Premier League, it's the Pele of throw-ins. I think he's better than that, better, better than that. Okay, to commemorate being in this outstanding city, we wanna bring producer Rachel, who has got me so smashed tonight with a heavy pour tequila, to stage to take a photo. So stand up, put your Budweiser's in the air, Seattle. Let's be seeing you. And I want this photo to be even more beautiful than a Stefan Fry oil, oil painting. Just don't have producer Rachel pour you a drink. That's, That's my only the end of, of the show, guys. Thank That's you. Thank you. Oh. Okay, Let's do Rog. It. We came here to do two things. Yeah. One, drink some beer, allegedly. Seattle State, it's Budweiser. And two, to talk some football, soccer. And sell some books. <laughs> oh. I just want to thank Elliot Bay. Can I just thank Elliot Bay? I want to know, the first time I came to Seattle, I wandered into Elliot Bay Bookstore. I spent hours there perusing it. I loved it. It's a passionate place of wonder. And to have them selling our crap that has killed the publishing industry at the back there. And I think Jeff Bezos himself is working the cash register. I just want to thank you. Get support Elliott Bay Bookstore. They are genuinely amazing. Okay. Well, you turn my two things into three things, Rod, <laughs> but let's get down to it. To the football, can you give us a toast? Yeah, before I give you a toast, I mean, let's, let's give the people what they really came here for, Davey. Can you give us an update on how your Telemundo watching has been going? <laughs> I mean, the World Cup, on, the World, this has been a good World Cup so far, I think we can agree. It's been quite good, but the World Cup on Telemundo has been amazing. <laughs> Yesterday's game, Spain 3, Portugal 3. 3-3 three, three on Fox. On Telemundo, it was 9-9. Nine, nine. <laughs> the pass completion, I mean, the, the, the VAR decisions are crazy. They're like overturning kickoffs. It's one of the few games I've ever watched where there are actually more goals on Telemundo than there were orgasms. Yeah. 
although it was close. <laughs> it was very, <laughs> it was very, very close. I've got to tell you, yeah. that, uh, not because we work for NBC Sports, yeah. but please watch a bit of the World Cup on Telemundo. You don't, you honestly don't need to speak a word of Spanish. It is amazing. It's amazing. I just want to add one detail. Dave tonight in the green room said, Telemundo have got the rights in 2022. I was like, yeah. And 26. And he's like, we have four years to get our Spanish fluent. <laughs> I just want you to know, tonight is the night. In Seattle, it was born. Rogelio Edevo! Rogelio! Oh, it's so good on Telemundo. You've got to watch, with respect to our friends at Fox, but Telemundo. The honest truth is I barely speak English. My natural language is Latin. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be Porto, Portas, Portat, Portamus, Portatis, Portant. Oh. That was the World Cup. Yes. Agricola in Puella, Casa Viela. You want a toast? Yeah, go Let's ahead. Let's do it, mate. Let me raise to you, Seattle, my first second bird of the evening. We are savoring the World Cup of late goals. Yeah. The World Cup of own goals. The World Cup of crap penalties. And the World Cup of human wonder. It's been a great, great World Cup, mostly because Vladimir Putin is writing the scripts. Yeah, thanks. Vlad, thank you, Vlad. I just, want, I just want to say that the football, to be candid, and you know this in Seattle, you understand football in this city, that World Cup football, it's a bit crap, let's be honest. We're amongst friends, club football, better. These are essentially all-star teams that are kind of tactically lesser, they're rusty, but my God, the emotions, the humanity, the feelings, this is what makes a World Cup so bloody special, so remarkable, a singular event in world sports the globally shared emotions. Uruguayan school children charging out of their classroom in a moment of victory. The full-throated magic of Ronaldo's free kick in its original Portuguese commentary. Tiny nations holding the mighty at bay in epic fashion. And above all, and I want to toast him tonight, because I'm a Messi fan, Ronaldo. Oh. Wow. Proof that. <laughs> I gotta say, Dave walked, walks around and gets stopped, and people are like, are you Ronaldo? All the time, all the time. Yeah, but well, Ronaldo, I wanna say, watching him. Baldado. We watched him yesterday in what airport were we in? St. Louis Airport. Or Minneapolis, one of the two. We were in an airport, yeah. and we watched him do that thing, proof that the song that permanently plays inside of his head, Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All, <laughs> which is happening to me, only me. Evidently a life truth. And vanity, we learned yesterday, is the greatest human motivator. So I raise this bud to you, Seattle. Bud fam, blood fam, raise your beers back to World Cup football. Yes. Oh, Rod, the image of the World Cup for me so far was Diego Maradona today. <laughs> uh, He's got Argentina hay fever. He's got a terrible hay fever. He's got awful problem. hay fever. Uh, you know what? It's, he's a, got it's not nice to make a terrible, joke about it. He's got like, terrible hay fever. In Russia this time of year, the allergies are absolutely terrible. I know. I know. Someone needs to get him a Claritin. Yeah, Claritin. He'd like, he'd Claritin. Like, he'd chop it up. He'd yeah. chop the Claritin, chop Claritin up. up. 
And then, that's the way, best way to take it. I know. I don't know. I've seen him do it. It's amazing. Choppy, it's choppy, good. chop. The terrible, character. terrible hay fever. I've got to say, whatever he is, whatever, to, in all candor, it's not funny to make a joke about him. I just no, hope not. he's, he's not. not snorting Herbalife. <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, but that is a good segue, Roger. It uh, leads us to what will surely be one of the results of the tournament, the greatest start to a sophomore album since Smells Like Teen Spirit. Plucky, lovable Iceland, Rog. That's oh. oh, the closest I've ever come to being a professional footballer. <laughs> Oh, Rog, plucky, lovable Iceland. An entire nation that has just half the population of Seattle. <laughs> it defeats, yes, defeats, Lionel Messi <laughs> and Argentina 1-1. <laughs> In Group D, Manchester City, who have more players at the World Cup than any other club, their hitman... I'm just amazed that Manchester City end up getting any reaction whatsoever. <laughs> Their hitman, Sergio Aguero, put Don't the it, Albi no, Celeste. No, anyone support Chelsea here? Oh, that backfired. Anyone support Arsenal? Yeah. Well, that's the happiest Arsenal fans I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Anyone support Everton? <laughs> Tim Howard in the house, come on. Sergio Aguero put the Alba Celeste up 1-0 in the 19th minute with a spectacular swivel and power strike with that ball that flies, Rog. Just four minutes later, FC Augsburg ledge. Alfred Finn Bogerson leveled the score, but the apex <laughs> then came in the 64th minute when Messi had the chance to put Argentina ahead from the penalty spot and take that first step towards World Cup glory. Too in soon, Dave, too soon. Time Plot twist, an all-time plot twist after what Ronaldo did yesterday. The scriptwriters penciled in a penalty save by former and current film director and current Danish Superliga player, Iceland keeper Hannes Dor Halderson to preserve the points for your mob, Rog. Wow. Oh. A 1-1 victory for your beloved Iceland. Can I say, there's a lot of Danish Superliga fans here tonight, which yeah. is very nice. Iceland, they are, they are, David, they are mi gente, as we say on Telemundo. Yeah. Uh, I, I do love the Icelanders, and I think many of you know that. They are just an incredibly pragmatic people, an incredibly creative people, but they also believe that anything is possible. When I made that film a couple of years ago there, I was quite tickled when I got in my research that a nationwide survey of Iceland discovered but 54.4% of Icelanders believe in elves and trolls. Weirdly, that film was Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> they believe in magic. They believe it. We need to believe in magic. They believe in magic. And after witnessing this morning's game against Lionel Messi, an elf, <laughs> and Argentina, a troll, I think I believe in elves and trolls too. I, I also adore this Iceland team, I do. Such collective tenacity, such innate confidence. The thing I love about the most, when I interviewed Aaron Gunnarsson, the kind of, the Viking with the beard, I interviewed him and he told me this, he said, no matter who we face, whatever the odds, in the seconds before kickoff, 
we truly believe that we are going to win, which to be candid is the spirit that I would love America to move towards in big games in World Cup play. <laughs> but at the same time, this game was as close to a pub team playing an elite footballing force as we'll ever see. And it was the elite footballing force who, no surprise, Davo, drew first blood. I'm, I'm not sure I want to see America playing like Iceland, but respect to Iceland what they do with the population of Corpus Christi, Texas. But yeah, it was Sergio Aguero takes the ball in the box, he swivels, he finds room, and he just smashes. I mean, this ball flies at speeds that we've never seen a football fly at before. Two balls pop today, and he puts it in the back of the net, 1-0 to Argentina. And we kind of thought then, at that point, Rog, we kind of thought... This is it, it's the end of Iceland's game. I mean, he'd scored quicker than Pete Davidson, let's be candid. <laughs> but even when he was back to, by the way, the thing that was amazing about that Aguero goal, we have seen Aguero score so many goals, so many for Manchester City, and he kind of trots back. To, it's, just, it's, just a man, just, it's just a man doing a job. But when he scored his first World Cup goal in his ninth World Cup game for Argentina, he just lost his crap. And it made me, it reminded us of what the wonder of the World Cup really is. That, you know, elite professional footballers who have everything in the world, they've got piles of cash. That their piles of cash have piles of cash. Their, their Lamborghinis own their own Lamborghinis. But still, scoring a goal in a World Cup with your nation, with the world watching, is a depth of emotion that money simply cannot buy. Iceland though, Dave, bloody hell. You crew box. Yeah. What's it called? when one of your boxing fetishists can take a punch flush on the chin. What's that? It's called pain, Roger. It's not, <laughs> it's not fun. It happens to me a lot. I get hit a lot in the face, weirdly. And you but take they came it. back, but you've got to you've got they bounce took back it. ability. They took it. They're like, all right, 1-0. This is what we like. This is what we wanted. Perhaps they scored too early. Perhaps this is just what we needed to really be up for the fight. And they Pete came Davidson. back, Roger. Yeah. yeah, I mean... That Iceland team, they counter-attack. They play with the spirit that Everton at their best played with in the 90s. <laughs> they did. Uh, by the way, Rogers so is trying so hard to basically transmorph Everton onto Iceland. I did. Gilfie Sigurdsson. May I remind you that Gilfie Sigurdsson plays for Everton and he's awful. Yeah, but our big but he's good for Iceland. Our big mistake was just to buy Gilfie. We should have bought all 23 <laughs> bloody players. Get rid of all other players apart from Icelanders. Play them all, because I would watch that week in, week out. Because they also, by the way, they play with the spirit that the US played with in 1994, that collective can-do. The, the spirit the US played with in 2002. There was, there was just slop in the box. What's that goalkeeper, Chelsea goalkeeper called, Dave? Willie? How are you? Willie? How are you? Yeah, he showed the reflexes. I'm speaking Spanish, obviously, yep. when I'm saying that. <laughs> I know, the Telemundo have actually just sent an agent to the oh, back no. of the room. So let's Thank do that you. one again. Will you? Cario. Oh, and he showed the reflexes that he's honed in those two Carabao Cup games that he's allowed <laughs> to play every season. And he just, he just pushed the ball out to Icelandic ace, Finnebergsbrusen, who like, everyone was talking about before this World Cup. He's like... Picture Aaron Johansson if he was better at making international career decisions. <laughs> I did actually think about that during the game today as well. I didn't realize how badly that would go down. No, they know. There's truth. There's truth. Oh. Yeah, pushed it out. And what a finish. 
one one and game to, on to watch him storm away in joy it's just like are you watching loyola chicago sister genison <laughs> we're very tight bizarrely with icelandic manager heimer halmagrissen the great i'd like him to be the next u.s manager to be candid and he told us when he came on the men in blazers show he said what gets lost beneath the like the dentist crap the tiny iceland crap the plucky the the videographer goalkeeper crap he said my team they won their qualifying group they beat croatia turkey and ukraine we can actually play football we can pick our moments in games and that's what we watched you pull a face they don't play a lot of football to be honest rog but i've respect to it I don't think we need to judge them on that standard. It's about the results they get at the end of the game. And the result, a 1-1 tie in the opening game of a World Cup against Lionel bloody Messi and Argentina is a phenomenal result. We don't have to suddenly pretend that it was beautiful attacking football. It wasn't, but it was football and it was fantastic. I, thought, I honestly thought it was World Cup porn, to be honest, because Argentina, they were rocked. They had all the ball. They had none of the creativity. They couldn't move. It was static. They just kept deferring to Messi, like LeBron at Cleveland, <laughs> where Lionel is playing with 10 J.R. Smiths. <laughs> and then in the 64th minute, after a pretty clear penalty was awarded to Argentina, this happened. <laughs> You'll never hear me say this again, but the Icelandic coverage was even better than Telemundo at that point. In 2026, David and I will be working for Icelandic television. By the way, that commentator is Gumi Ben, who's a mate of ours. That man is a former Icelandic international. His son is a star in the Eredivisie and will be a future Icelandic star. But my God, when Iceland do something amazing, like score a goal or save a Lionel Messi penalty, no commentator in football can do a better impression of a squirrel having tantric sex. <laughs> something that unfortunately Roger knows about. The Squirrels have needs. <laughs> but you say deferring to Messi, Rog, and this is the problem with Argentina. It's like, it's not like, you said it's like a team of LeBron and 10 J.R. Smiths. The Argentina team is like pretty amazing players up and throughout that roster. And I just cannot believe that they just literally stop and watch Lionel Messi dribble into 10 Icelandic men named Gilfie <laughs> and Bjorn. I mean, they do, though. They, they've said that when they play with him, they can't believe they play with him. And he feels this pressure. He went to Barcelona in his bar for year. And he's won everything with them. But in the Argentinian blue and white, he still, he knows to cement his legend, he needs to win with them. He needs glory. And his face after that penalty, just a lack of confidence, a pain, a suffering. I mean, I am a messy person, people. I am a messy person. I'll be candid. I'm a Jordan Morris person and I'm a Lionel Messi person. And I, I, Stanford Messi. And I was upset for Lionel Messi. I was upset at him at the same time, upset for him, upset at him. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? I've gone to war for you. And now this, 
I mean, here's what I want to know, David. What was the scene like in your imagination in Ronaldo's hotel room? <laughs> that Dracar Noir just wafting round so as all this was happening. What happened? What happened? I need to know. I tweeted right after it. I tweeted right after the penalty Facts. save. Ronaldo just wet himself. I think a tiny little bit of pee-pee probably and, did. And our, well, our mate John Green immediately tweeted back. He goes, and not with pee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, the fault yeah. is in our stars. Oh, exactly. Uh, I got, here's how I think about it. I, I imagine that Ronaldo, when this went on, I bet you, I mean, this is, we all agree on this. This is basic. I bet you he immediately just clapped his hands to signal to his eunuch who was wafting him with a giant feather to cease immediately. One of the eunuchs, one of the eunuchs. Yeah, the eunuch called Bernardo Silva. <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Man City fans. I said something nice about Jordan Morris. And then, and then he immediately, after the penalty miss, he clapped twice. That was three that times. Was three times. <laughs> I'm not Ronaldo, it doesn't come naturally to me. He clapped twice more so that the grape mouth pop up. That he did indeed want to keep feeding him grapes. <laughs> Knew that he wanted to keep getting grapes. Pepe. <laughs> but wow, when Messi hit that penalty at like average height at Haldras, who plays in the Danish league for fucking, excuse me, for Randers. And he just flew across with like that. He's been carrying video cameras for years. His wrists are made of steel. He literally is yelling, thank you. As yeah, this time he I know. to save it. Tack is what they say yeah. in Iceland. But that was one of six saves. And by the way, some of those saves were incredible towards yeah, the end. They were Schmeichel level. I do. I agree with you. In my match notes, and they're mostly tactical, I wrote, I bet Ronaldo had a little bit of PP come out into his loincloth. At Gunner in Japan tweeted, words of wisdom, do not take a picture of yourself with a goat before the World Cup, especially when you know Ronaldo will be there. But there was more agony. There was more agony. A final indignity, the last second. Oh, my God. When they got the free kick just out of the area in the oh. same position that Ronaldo took on the day before, I bet Messi was like to the ref. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a foul, mate. No. no, it was not only the same position as he got it before and the same position in the big World Cup ad that's airing all over. I, I assume it's on Fox. It's definitely on Telemundo. It's literally, <laughs> it's the ending of that commercial. It's him getting that free kick. Yeah, and, but when he got it, I was like, oh, my God, this is either proof that even God is a Ronaldo fan, which I find shocking. It's one or the other. People, take your choice. God likes Ronaldo. Get with that. Oh, but oh, weirdly, the, oh. pope, the Pope is Argentinian, so that's like very difficult. But I've got another option. God doesn't exist. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, the, the first one, God loving Ronaldo is harder for me to come to terms with than the second. But in that moment, in that theological moment, oh, when we, I've got to recap this. Ronaldo, in his moment, he just seemed to like throb and tingle and glow in the spotlight. Well, his shorts... His shorts were hiked so far up his undercarriage. Uh, there was definitely throbbing and tingling going can, on. Can I, can, I, can I tell you what makes me think he's the goat? That the pair of athletic socks that he stuffs down his shorts did not fall out in that moment of like when we were all watching. But he's standing there like a footballing Mariah Carey. <laughs> but with like more eyebrow work. 
And Messi, 24 hours later, same place, and in that same spotlight, that same crucible of humanity, he just seemed to wilt as if he wanted to be anywhere but there. And by the way, I bet the Argentinian manager was like, oh my God, I wish I could sub on Ronaldo right now to take this bloody free kick. <laughs> anyway, I don't want to live with it because it was a darkness for Messi. And it's, I think it's hard not to feel deep pathos, deep empathy for this man. Iceland, who drew 1-1, it should be noted, on their Euro Championship debut versus Ronaldo. Drew 1-1 on their World Cup debut against Messi in Argentina. A, an incredible performance. If this had taken place in the 11th century, yeah. there would be epic sagas right now being written about what was just witnessed, about like the guile of Gilfi. Play him in the middle, Everton, for God's sake. The smiting Fumbinson, the magnificently iron-wristed Halderson. To me, this is a World Cup of miracle and wonder. And, and just, I'm going to say this, put aside the dentist crap the videographer goalkeeper crap. Although my son's about to be bar mitzvahed and I'd quite like to hire you to do my bar mitzvah. <laughs> the Viking kind of clap crap. This was disciplined, courageous, organized, fearless football against Lionel Messi's Argentina and it can only be revered. And to me, I'll say this and this is gonna be oh, a bit depressing. It comes from a genuine investment in grassroots football. And elite coaching, which is what we cry out for here in the US right now. So I'll say advantage Ronaldo. For Messi, the real focus is not Ronaldo. It's driving on into this tournament, which he will. And anybody, anyway, about this Ronaldo bloody Messi thing, we all know that Gilfie's the GOAT. I would say Rog and I have adjoining hotel rooms, which is, as we learned in Brazil, is a mistake. The amount of noise coming out of your hotel room this morning when this game was coming on, it was absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, Rog, the aperitif for that game. My wife listening to this podcast, I was watching the football match. Yeah. <laughs> it was Iceland. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm editing out. I'm editing out what I was about to say. Okay, kicking off at 3 a.m. local time, Rog. Can I just say one quick thing? We're from New York City. I just want to raise my Budweiser to you West Coast football fans. How the fuck do you live like this? I had a 2 a.m. wake up call this morning. I want to raise my glass to all of you. You are American heroes. Afternoon naps or death. Uh, yes, Rog, today kicked off early. France versus Australia. It ended uh, technology two, Australia one. <laughs> France saw off the Socceroos thanks to the World Cup's first ever VAR-influenced goal, a 58th-minute Antoine Griezmann penalty. Jedinak, what a beard. It's a union beard. It was not a Confederate beard. It's a union beard. <laughs> He leveled the score four minutes later via another penalty down the other end. But 10 minutes from time, France got more help from the robot overlords at Hawkeye. This time, goal line technology correctly judged that Paul Pogba's deflected effort had crossed the line. France get trois points. Oh, spillage. Beer down. Beer down. Book wet. Oh. 
I just say France, the speed of their attack is terrifying. On paper. <laughs> but from the off, it was clear Australia had, they were like, we don't need to watch game tape. We just need to be students of world history. And in the epic sweep of world history, French history, if you bring a fight to France, Australia realized, and history shows, when you fight France, France is, and how to say this delicately, not always in the mood for the aforementioned fight. <laughs> what are you shaking It is the most for? unfair thing of all time. Literally, there is a street in New York named Lafayette Street, named after the Marquis de Lafayette. The French, the US owe their independence to some extent to the fact that the French came and joined the fight and took out the British Navy on the Hudson. We should have a little bit of gratitude to the French in this country for helping us. And they're pretty good fighters. This team, not so much. Can we just clap that great day when the Americans kicked out the English? It was genuinely yeah. one of the... One well, of the... it's even better because most of them were German. Anyway, sorry to bring history into it. Sorry, as an American passport holder, I just yeah. love it. He didn't... He... Do, 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 I just can't get enough. Yeah. I just can't get enough. Oh, fucking Kept England. his British passport as well, though. Well, I'll give it to anyone who wants it in a raffle. You will. Let's yeah. do that. Let's well, do that as a Men in Blazers competition, Rog. With, with great pleasure. I'd I love to do I that. wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. I'd love to do it. You could have renounced it. I happily renounced I did when I became an American. I had to swear off the potentates or whatever. Uh, I don't think I you didn't did. even know. To be candid, I'll tell you. You didn't know what friend, that meant. <laughs> there's no television cameras here. I didn't even know what a potentate was. I just put my... I just... I, I don't... I'm not... I'm anti-potentate. Okay. But as the French strolled off at half-time, and you just saw, wow, this is peak France. So like, France either do World Cups, unbelievable, or they just self-sabotage to a degree that even as Englishmen we can only admire. <laughs> they are such a psychologically fraught team. That locker room at halftime, 0-0, must have been like, like a Jacques Derrida book group conversation. It must have been so fraught. I mean, it was a lesser battle between France and Australia and more a battle between France and their own psychology, David, their I, own innate Frenchiness. I, I, I agree with you that it's, it's the battle against their own psychology, but I don't see them as being psychologically fraught. I see them as just being incredibly arrogant. And so they just believe that because they're French, they therefore deserve to beat Australia and hammer them. And so, and it just didn't happen because Australia were effing fantastic in this game. They were superb. Come on, the new world. They were like a Commonwealth Iceland. We had the penalty exchange, two players like chess players sacrificing pieces, first France, history, VAR interfered, interfered in a World Cup for the first time. Risden of the Western Sydney Wanderers, give him DP money. Eclipse Griezmann. What did you think about that, by the way, David, that penalty, the VAR penalty? Uh, it was definitely a penalty, and it was a good decision. I think we're, we're cleaning up VAR. We're learning about VAR. We're learning how it works. It's meant to be a clear... Uh, it's meant to be clearing up a clear error by the referee, but this was a clear referee. Clear error. I thought it was the worst VAR since Lonzo's dad. <laughs> I didn't actually. I just wanted to make that joke. I know. <laughs> but one thing about VAR. Can we talk about Dr. Joe for a second? Dr. Joe Meechkin, is that his name? I don't know. I only watched Telemundo. There goes. I... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Dr. Joe always sounds like he's just woken up in a dive bar where he's been nursing an early morning cutty sock breakfast and someone has just either slapped him across the face or poured, like, slapped cold water on him to get him up from his slumber. He's like John Oliver's catheter cowboy, but older. Yeah. He, even Bernie Sanders is like, bloody hell, Dr. Joe's old. But anyway, but France cannot have nice things. They just can't. Um Titty leaps up like Kerry Walsh Jennings. How does something so crazy happen, Dave, in a World Cup? How does that happen? Okay, so we've seen, we've seen players put their arms in the air when they get jostled, when they get pushed. He wasn't getting jostled and pushed. He seemed to make some signal that the sun was in his eyes that still wouldn't explain why he put his arm in the air and held it. <laughs> Often with the sun. I mean, one of the first things you learn when you're teaching a two-year-old to play football, play soccer, is that you don't touch the ball with your hands unless you're a goalkeeper. It's fairly basic footballing law is that you don't do that. And yet something insane happened in his brain. It synapsed, yep. and he just reached up, and he reached for the ball. Like a French Phil Mickelson. I mean, I, here's what I'd say. Football is all about decision-making. That's interesting. There are thousands of decisions that are made in the course of a game. We're just watching human beings make decisions with the world watching that crucible of pressure just dropping down on them. Martin Tyler once said to me, the great players just make better decisions more of the time than the simply good ones. And for me, watching Umtiti, it was just proof of that pressure that players are, we take it for granted, but they are playing under. And we saw him just synapse like a Westworld host in that moment. <laughs> and Jedinak, the single player who is only on the field to take the penalties, smashed that one home. Three minutes, seven seconds, between those two penalties, France floundering, suddenly that pressure. We play not to win, but not to lose. And it all changed, Davo. I've got to say this. When they brought on one player, one player only, Chelsea fans, with his meaty bandaged French forehead. Oh, I mean. <laughs> cometh the hour, cometh long. At BMK3000, the GFOP tweeted us, Giroud looks like he stepped out of an amnesia episode of General Hospital. I mean, you would. You would, though, you wouldn't would. you? You would. You would. You I would. would. I would. You would. Here's what I want to know. I would. What, what every team, Giroud, when Giroud comes on and he changed this game, directness, physicality, challenge, confused the Aussie bat line, led to the winner, every team he plays on doesn't respect him. Is he just too beautiful? I mean, you would. <laughs> he is beautiful. I think he was Chelsea's player of the season. I think Chelsea loved him this season. He finally found his home in West London. We like good-looking people in West London, Rog. I mean, I'm from South London where we had none of them, but like, when I go to West London, I see good-looking people. I think we're all just too threatened by his beauty. Yeah. But my God, it was an odd winner, a bit anticlimactic. Giroud, the creator, Pogba driving on with his OBJ-like pace and power unstoppable force which makes you wonder why doesn't he do it all the bloody time he only does it like for like two minutes a game and and in adidas commercials yeah or f or for the gram oh yeah but and on instagram he's amazing on instagram yeah but he's world class again now as that ball flicked off deflected into the goal tony miola god love him he had a lovely conclusion to the game he said it may feel like a loss in the end for australia And here's what I think Tony Miller was poetically. 
That's what Tony Miller was trying to say. That's what he was trying to say. No, no, he's a poet and he was subtext I trying to it. say. He was trying to say that they were moral victors. They were. As USA will be moral victors if France win the World Cup because we beat them 1-1 last week. Yeah. But France, I've got to say, as you say, France... What does that make Trinidad and Tobago? <laughs> what is it? What? What? They're a very good football team. <laughs> yeah, they are a very, very yeah. good football team. France, let's just say, first game, dug deep, ground out victory, a lot of life left in that group. Um, God, Weston McKinney. He's going to be the moral World Cup winner at just 20 years of age. <laughs> what else is left for him in life, Dave? Oh. Other game in that group in the Battle of the Greatest Jerseys in world football, apart from the US 1994 stonewashed denim. Don't at me, Nigeria fans. <laughs> Denmark beat the Red Sash of Peru in a fantastic game. Well, that, was a, that was the game of the day. Denmark, my dark horse. They have been for a while uh, in this World Cup. Put a little bit of money on Denmark. In the final game of the day, Jinko Jean's spokesperson, Luka Modric, <laughs> flew around on a broomstick and led Croatia to a 2-0 victory over Nigeria to put the pajamas atop Group D. What a ridiculous uniform they wear in Croatia. All right, Rog. Part of Men in Blazers across America is celebrating what's happening in Putinville. The other part is an examination of the distinct, diverse, authentic football cultures here in the United States of America. I'm sorry uh, for those of you for whom this is breaking news. World Cup's coming here in 2026! <laughs> for those of you who are listening to the pod, I've just taken my toupee off. The point. funny thing about That's that hot. is in, Rog gets so excited about this, but I'm going to be 60 and Rog is going to look much older. <laughs> I already do. <laughs> but it's not about us, it's about the NAFTA World Cup. Yeah, we love the NAFTA World Cup. We're going oh, to host it with our sworn blood enemies, Mexico and Canada. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, have, we'll have invaded Canada by then, Rog. That's a joke that's... Please, God, will age better than I think it's going to age. <laughs> One of the themes that we're dedicated to exploring in this tour, the Men in Blazers, oh, America, America road trip. We want to figure out what we need to do here and now so that we can lift the Jules Rimet trophy on home soil. Or defend it, anyway. I'm not picky. <laughs> I mean, what... The, the big question really for me is youth development. We want to really, really, really talk and ask the hard questions about that. Maybe one or two that we'll ask tonight because I'm really drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell because it's done to just talk more. Okay, our first guest tonight knows a little something about young talent and what Seattle has done to develop some of the stars we mentioned earlier. He is a man, Rog, who has dedicated his life to growing football in this region since going to his first Sounders game at the age of eight. He is the pride of Mercer Island United, former GM of the Sounders, one of the largest shareholders of England's Cambridge United Football Club. There's one, how many Cambridge United football fans are there here? He's not doing a very good job of marketing, is he? <laughs> Come on, you use! We welcome to the stage the majority owner of your Seattle Sounders, Mr. Adrian Hanauer. The blue skies you've ever seen are in Seattle. 
Seattle football agent of all time. We've got to start with this week's massive news that the US, along with Mexico and Canada, will host World Cup 2026. Where were you when you heard the news? What was your immediate reaction? Uh, I was watching it live um, with my girlfriend next to me, not very happy that I was up at three in the morning watching this thing and... And, and uh, Venmoing set blat up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And your girlfriend is not Moroccan, by any chance. No. Okay, good. Just yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was a big night. Yeah. Very exciting. It was not a shock for no. me. How did it feel? Can you describe the emotions for you? Were you, were you nervous or were you like, did you know like, I was did nervous. you know three years ago that no, we were going to get I was nervous, there? I was confident. I was texting back and forth with a lot of people in Russia who kind of understood where the votes were coming from, so. Uh, Bitcoins. Yeah, yeah. I still really want to get my hands on the Moroccan envelope of cash. I imagine it's sort of like the cash that I might give to a goddaughter, the one of the ones I don't like that much <laughs> at Christmas. I mean, I don't think it was a very impressive envelope of cash that the Moroccans Just two out. pot coins for you. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. 2026, we're, like, instantly, I've got to say, and it doesn't take much, but my nipples are tingling. I'm like, I'm like, oh, you know, we've got something to move towards. We all, everyone in this room, we all share one thing. We all love the growth of the game, soccer, in the country we love, America, right? And now we have something to move towards, a fixed point off which to organize and a fixed point off which the money is going to rain. Here's what I want to know. Though we're all excited, it's going to become commercially great. We know there's going to be millions of people who are going to like fall in love with football. There's going to be it's going to be well attended. It's going to be an amazing World Cup. What is not clear to me, and I want to ask multiple people in on our tour, Dave, as we travel around America, what does it mean, short term, medium term, long term, for the game in this country? I know it's amazing. But what happens step by step in terms of the impact, immediate and medium term, on the game in North America? Out of 94 came, came MLS. And, you know, the beginning, the foundation of a, of a pretty, you know, modern soccer culture in this country. Uh, there was, you know, NASL before came and went. And obviously the youth structure has been there. But I, I think that that really sort of, you know, stuck a, stuck a, a flag in the ground or put a stake in the ground in, in terms of the sport. Uh, we've been able to grow it, you know, incrementally over those next 20 years. You know, you look out to, to, to 2026, that'll be the 30, 32. 32 years later. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, I guess what we think about is what, you know, what, what comes after that? On the national level, though, we, you know, we have to think about how we come out the other end of, uh, of the 2026 World Cup with a league that truly is among the, the great leagues in the, in, the, in the world. And to your point, that is, that is about money, but it is, it's largely about culture and identity and, and continuing to build that soccer culture and infrastructure 
um, and identity because, you know, the money, the money's only a piece of it. Nice to see Drew Carey here tonight. Yeah. Thanks for coming, Drew. Um, I just say, you, you mentioned youth development. For me, that's an incredible buzzword. I mean, the Seattle region, we look at it, and we always see it as just a fertile production line for American youth. Casey Keller, still young by American standards. DeAndre Yedlin. Was that, I, who just said, when I said Casey Keller, and you said, no, he's not. Is that Brad Friedel here? Brad. <laughs> Brad, you lost that one, bro. Casey Keller, DeAndre Yedlin, Jordan Morris. What is the secret? I mean, what are, you, what, what are you doing here that we can, across America, learn from in terms of youth development? We're doing some things well in this region and developing some, some talent. But we need more kids coming into the system at, at a young age. We need to get to those kids that can't afford to be part of uh, organized soccer. Uh, you know, you've mentioned, you've mentioned coaching. We need to make sure that, that the coaching is right, that the, that the infrastructure, the fields, the, the, the education, uh, the mental part of the game is, is being taught. There are players behind, coming behind DeAndre and Jordan, uh, players in our system today, starting to sign players at a younger age and, and giving them pro experience. Uh, at 15, 16, 17 years old, like the rest of the world is, has been doing for years, right? Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> totally. you know, our, our system has evolved from where players come out of university at 22 years old and become pros to one where, you know, we, we honestly need to sign players at 15 years old. It's very true. Yeah. Very true. And we've got to get out of, with the greatest respect to the American middle class, who are the greatest middle class in the world, it's hard to imagine that America's best middle-class kids are gonna beat the best working-class kids from all over the world right. in a cutthroat game no, no, no. Uh, of so, football. So, Football's a working-class game. So good example, like I, I have friends whose kids play, you know, play pretty high-level soccer, but there is no chance that they have the hunger, the drive to, to scrape, claw, uh, their way out and and you know they'll be good college players and and uh, but they will end up as doctors and lawyers and things like that we need we need some more kids that are really hungry okay so what what impact do you think that this announcement agreed has on major league soccer it feels like to quote Dickens that this is the best of times the worst of times for US soccer 72,000 fans in Atlanta amazing new franchise in the league, but some of the league's founding fathers, not you, but some of them are not seeing that surge. The league is like a mythical Greek creature, half lion, half human. But how much is this announcement gonna help all clubs? The league grows through, through a bunch of different things. It's that infrastructure, it's the youth system, it's the, the, the uh, um, investment in the future, uh, it's coaching, we've mentioned it before, uh, and, and ultimately it's, it's the quality of the product at the top end as well. I mean, it is continuing to generate revenue, invest in the product, which we all want to do to, uh, to have the best uh, league in the Americas, no, no doubt. Close your eyes, last question for you. Close your eyes, 20 years, different scenarios for MLS growth. There's like the optimistic one, like Don Graber when his head hits the pillow will be one of the best leagues in the world. You've got the nightmare, the Gotterdammerung. It's gonna be buried alive, MLS, by Premier League popularity, by Champions League. 
When you think about 20 years' time, realistically, with real honesty, what, what do you see? And then back up the case. What, what will make it so? This country is becoming a soccer country. And, and you know, we're not there yet. We, we have a lot of competition. There's a lot of competition for, the, the, for eyeballs, for the athletes, for the mental, uh, you know, for fans to be have, able to have the capacity to focus on multiple sports. But 20 years time, you know, again, if you look at what 20 years has done from the time the World Cup came 20 years out from now. I've lost a full head of hair. <laughs> uh, I, I really do believe that, uh, that, the, that the league, you know, makes a profound leap again. Uh, and, you know, again, you know, spend some money is, it, it, that is the, a big key to a whole bunch of this. Can I just and say, he hadn't thought of that. Yeah, exactly. So, so I gotta say, when, when Adrian gets off stage, whoever you are, we'll have a drink <laughs> later. I wanna thank you for your insight because... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's never posted on a message board no, either. No, no, it's awesome. Uh, But, you know, again, it's, it's ticket revenue, it's television revenue has to be a piece of, the, piece of the puzzle. There are no good leagues, great leagues in the world that don't generate a ton of revenue for media rights. We have to figure that out, that's eyeballs. We may have to spend ahead of those eyeballs to make sure that they, uh, that they come. But, you know, again, it's- Telemundo. Adrian, that's the, that's the key. It's the future. It's the future. I do want to say, when you mentioned television, we watch games at CenturyLink Field. And we... I just, want to I just want to jump through my television set and be there with you. I really do. So I, I, want, I want to thank you. I want to thank all of you. I really do for what you're building with the Sounders. All of you. Especially Stephen Fry and Jordan Bloody Morris. Love them. I gotta say, I love those two human beings more than I can say. I think we want to say, Dave, we want to say Seattle Sounders and Adrian Hanauer, good Godspeed. Absolutely. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can we hear it for Adrian Hanauer? I've got a pen here. Spend some. What was it? Money. I must say though, Rog, one thing that does occur to me, hearing a little bit of the heckling, a little bit of the rumbling going on in this room when that Adrian was, was out here. That was Drew Carey. He did, why don't you do it in board meetings? Is that I imagine that Seattle is the leading city in MLS where you go home after your team have lost, or this season when you're not having the greatest season in your history, and you go home and you can't sleep because you're so angry about it. That's, that is football. That is real bloody football. And if you can teach every other MLS city in America to feel the same way about their teams when their teams lose, when their teams don't perform, this will be a much, much stronger league. This will be a much stronger soccer culture. We, 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 we had the Liverpool CEO on our show, Peter Moore, and they've like got Mo Salah firing in goals from every end. They've got like, they've got Bobby Firmino's teeth are just so beautiful. They've got, 
Oh, I mean, it's just, it's working everywhere. And when we, we tweeted out about him coming on the show, all we got underneath was just like, announce Fakir! <laughs> announce Lamar! When are you going to sign Lamar? And ultimately, football in America will be in that same place when all of you are screaming, spend some money! <laughs> okay, Rog, Seattle, not just an amazing soccer city, but a collectively amazing, passionate sporting town. The fans here retain an underdog ferocity despite their teams being legitimate winners. To close the show and to learn more about the Seattle sporting mentality, we want to bring to the stage only a Pro Bowl wide receiver and return specialist from your Seattle Seahawks, a man who on his NFL debut took a punt to the house against the Rams out of Kansas State, by way of Tulsa, Oklahoma, we welcome to the stage the one and only Mr. Tyler Lockett. God, I love You don't it. have to spend any money, Tyler. All right, that's good, that's uh, good. Although, I tell you, your cologne, you spent some money. The jacket, <laughs> you spent some money. The j Let's see. Yep, you spent some money. Oh. I just bought it last week. You did? <laughs> you know, I loved it when you did that kick return against the Rams. And under that mask, you just shouted what we were all thinking. Fuck you, Stan Kroenke. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. You said it, I didn't. No, yeah. I know, he didn't say that. <laughs> didn't say Kroenke, I know you're at the back, he didn't say that, that's me. <laughs> Putting Arsenal words into Tyler's mouth. Tyler, Tyler, Tyler. Of all the brave acts in sport, you do what I consider the equivalent of going over the top in World War I. <laughs> I'm talking about the kick return. Oh, we've, we've talked long about this. I mean, to be a kick returner, you need Megan Rapinoe levels of chutzpah. You really do. <laughs> you have got a head of steam driving right into a group of men with bad intentions. <laughs> when that ball is, like, dropping it, from the sky, it's flipping over. You know, the commentators are like, and here it goes. We're all like, we're like, oh my God, the Doritos are nearly finished. That ball's spinning towards you, your hands are out. Mentally, what is going through your mind? Are you like, I'm gonna catch this ball and it is going to the end zone? Or are you like mortally aware that there are large guys headed towards <laughs> you at pace? Bipeds. And they wanna bloody kill you. Confidence or fear, Tyler? What goes through your head? No, I think it's more so confidence. I think, you know, the biggest thing... I mean, you gotta be confident if it's gonna be 250-pound guys running at you, right? But <laughs> when they kick the ball off, you know, the first thing, before I do anything, I gotta make sure, you know, where I'm at. If I catch it about six yards deep in the end zone, I gotta take a knee. If I catch it and I can return it, run for your life. <laughs> but, Tyler, what... What do you hear in that moment? Does the world stand still when the ball reaches its apex where it's motionless and it's coming down towards you? Does, does everything black out? Do you go into this zen-like state? 
Yeah, everything blacks out at first, but you know, before that, you know, before they even kick it, I hear the fans yelling, Tyler, lock it, Tyler. So I'm like, uh, I'm like, I gotta take it out now. Oh. <laughs> no choice. No choice. Uh, what I love about you also, Tyler, is what happens when you get in the end zone. Even before your career started here in Seattle, you told Jason Jenks of the Seattle Times that you were going to bring the old school stuff back. Oh, yeah. You've done the chicken noodle soup. Yep, first one. The heel toe. Oh, man. You have swag, you've swag surfed. Hey. Can you just, can you just show us the chicken noodle soup? Y'all want to see the chicken yeah, noodle soup? Yeah, we want to see it. Yeah, come on. All right, all right. I'll do it if you do it with me. Yeah, oh. <laughs> okay. You too, my brother. Okay. <laughs> this has backfired terribly. I've got to tell you, for me, me personally, I find like the kick returning so much bloody easier. <laughs> Than the dancing. <laughs> yeah, it's the celebrations that F me up. It's like the Ashkenazi Jew in me. I, we, don't, we don't like happiness. We just like to slowly make it to our destination. Wow. What? 100% on 23andMe. <laughs> you know, out of all my friends, out of all my friends, a little bit I might of <laughs> <laughs> you want to know something crazy? Yeah. Out of all my friends, y'all probably made me look the best in dancing. Oh! <laughs> Can I tell you the most bizarre thing? <laughs> I got skills. Icelandic skills. What is the key to a good touchdown celebration? How much work do you put into them? Man, it... Sometimes I watch videos on Instagram. Some Paul Some, Pogba. Sometimes I listen to songs and I try to think of like, you know, the Harlem Shake or just try to figure out different things, but you gotta be creative. Well, and this season, everybody got creative this past season. Oh, it was the man. most fun thing in what is sometimes called the No Fun League. You didn't say it, I did. But what is sometimes called also the No Fun League. You didn't say fuck you, Stan It was Kroenke. the most. <laughs> The touchdown celebrations, the coordinated work that teams put into it was the most fun thing. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is they stole all the dances I was going to do, but they scored before. <laughs> <laughs> they just scored before me. So what are they? Are there, are there, are there spies checking your, uh, your rehearsal rooms? Are you hey. booking dance halls to go and like practice your work? Yeah, I'm going to have to call Russell and get his bodyguard or something. <laughs> We, oh, we know you're good at celebrations. We also know that you're a huge EA Sports FIFA and 2K fan. Definitely. And, and I want to know, when the GFOPs at EA Sports FIFA found out that we're coming to Seattle, they want us to do one thing, one thing only. They've been working for, for, for years on the Tyler Lockett foothead. Uh-oh. Yeah. In the laboratory in Vancouver. And they asked us to get right to the source to fill in the missing numbers. Uh-oh. There you go. Let me see. Oh, okay. There's your foothead. Yeah, we've, we've put you in there already. We've had the liberty of giving you a 93 for pace. 93 for pace. Which is, you know, you, you, you do, uh, you run a 4-4-40. You told us that you'd be good at creating space between yourself and the defender. Yep, yep. 
a little bit of a dip when it comes to passing. <laughs> we, gave, we, we gave you a 70 there. We gave Russell Wilson a 95. Uh, okay. We gave you a 79 for dribbling. We think you're the Nico Ladero of the Seahawks. You're pretty tidy on the ball. <laughs> and we gave you an 82 for physicality. Yeah. Which is Davo's rating. On, 82? Yeah. <laughs> Have you not seen the hits that I take? <laughs> There's a pen. In the great tradition uh, of professional football players everywhere, Sorry. Tyler is arguing his foot score. It's a 92 for Tyler! That's higher than Diego Costa. Hey, he better learn something from me. The best thing, the best thing on here right now is my face. <laughs> okay, okay, no. we can change that, Tyler. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. We can change that, Tyler. Okay, we need we need your help on two. Shot and defense. Let's do shot first. What kind of wonder strike can Booker T. Washington High School's finest unfurl? What kind of a shot do you have? Man, I got whatever shot it is that you're looking for. <laughs> I, 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 okay, normally, let's break that down. Yeah, no, no, How no, many times have you kicked a soccer ball in your life, Tyler? Man, every day I was in elementary outside. Uh -huh. I had people trying to fight me because I scored so much, but oh, they couldn't catch okay. me. They Hold couldn't on. catch me. Okay. Se <laughs> Seattle, I think we just found your new DP. <laughs> okay. I ain't the season's about to change. <laughs> I, I actually I see you as someone as dangerous on set pieces, free kicks, corner kicks. You're the special teams equivalent yeah. of American football. What would you give yourself? Because you're a modest man. Sure. What would you give yourself? Out of 100. For a shot? Yeah. Yeah, only out of 100. You can't go above 100. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, I probably give myself about an 89. 89, okay. 89. Well, okay. My creative player is a 99, no. No, no, not many. That's pretty good. <laughs> Last question, David, the age-old one. Yeah, defense. Defense. How would you be on the other side of the ball? Like yeah. Mike Ditka used to play both sides. Have you ever He's played defense? Man you've never Have you played defense in high school? Yeah, I, I was a good defensive player in uh -huh. high school. I didn't tackle, but I, I intercepted the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, to be careful. More Kevin. of an N'Golo Kante, then. You, you were like, you, you, you were taking over the passing lanes. Yeah, like, you know okay, how, like, you know how cornerbacks nowadays, they just let, if they see Marshawn running, they just move out the way. Yeah. I, I, I was more to like, I'm gonna just take the ball and uh -huh. run. Takes a certain <laughs> kind of skill. By the way, this gentleman was voted All-State by the Oklahoma Coaches Association as a defensive back in high school. Yeah, yeah it all stopped after I got jumped over. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to the best of us. What, 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 what would you give, you? What what would you give yourself so we can work this out? Defense, uh, what's a passing grade? No, no, you are... You are way more than passing. All right, I give right now you're one of the great soccer players in world history. <laughs> oh, right, right now, now I, I'm right now I'm about an 83. <laughs> okay. So what have we got, David? What's that overall? Give me some time to do some tabulations. These are big numbers. Do we have a tabulator? Is there anyone here who's got a beautiful mind? I'm, not, I'm looking at those numbers. I think it's an 89 overall. Looking at those numbers. Yeah. Let's hear it for Tyler Lockett, an 89 overall on FIFA. By the way, I will say, amazing. Adrian Hanauer was meant to leave, but he stayed around in the green room. I think a signing is imminent. Here's what I want to know. 
Tonight, Tyler, is a celebration of two things. One, the World Cup. <laughs> that was poor. Stuart, are you bored of it already? Let's do it again. What? Yeah, watch Telemundo. Won the World Cup! Yeah! Which America will still win. And secondly, this gorgeous city of Seattle. Yeah! As we've said, our reverence for the sporting culture in this city and knows no bounds. It really does. I mean, the Seahawks 12s twice set the Guinness World Record loudest crowd noise at a sporting event. The Sounders, nearly 44,000 people a game. You have been, it's amazing. It is am I've got to say, from a Premier League perspective, that is bloody amazing. You have been here now for three seasons. I mean, it isn't just that Seattleites love sport. There's a deep emotional connection between the fans and the players. And here's what I want what to I, I understand. Can you describe what is special about this city and its love for its sporting teams? Put it into words, Tyler. Well, I think if I had to put it into words, I mean, I always say that the city of Seattle is like a college town. It's a place that you want to be able to be at. Every day, whenever you hear, when I go to the mall, everywhere that I go, I talk to people, I see fans everywhere. I mean, I don't even have a long time anymore because everywhere <laughs> that I go, people come and talk to me. But it's cool because you get to engage with them, you get to talk to them, you get to meet their family members, all that type of stuff. But they're the ones that makes this sport special. You go into a lot of other stadiums and they're so quiet to where it's like nobody really wants to be there. Nobody has that energy because nobody has that atmosphere to have players want to be able to go there. When you come to Seattle, the players love it here. They love the philosophy that it is that Pete brings, but they also love the fans. They love being able to play in CenturyLink. They talk about how hard it is to play when they're on another team, but how amazing it is and <laughs> phenomenal it is to be able to be on the winning team in Seattle. So, I mean, it's the fans that really make it so great. So when you have just taken that kick to the house, when you have all of these people go nuts, in Seattle, what do you feel inside the second you have just... I'll just give you a little hint. Diego Forlan, as we often say on this show, just was asked, what does it feel like to score a goal? And he said, it, it's better than an orgasm. <laughs> said it in Spanish, which I will learn in the next four yeah. years. On when, Telemundo. <laughs> on Telemundo. <laughs> better than orgasm. <laughs> um, can you... Can you talk about, I think you say better than an orgasm in Spanish is Julio Iglesias. <laughs> Apparently, I'm working on it. I'm working. I'm still learning. When you cross the touchdown line, what That's do what you... That's what they call it. On, a, on Telemundo. <laughs> what, what do you feel? The emotions you experience. We're so far away from my original question. It's amazing. <laughs> Poor Tyler. When you cross the touchdown David, recap, line, recap for me, recap. When you score a touchdown, what do you feel? <laughs> I mean, I guess he pretty much said it. I don't, oh, I I don't really it. know what else to say. Oh, Tyler. Diego uh, Fallan of the Seahawks. <laughs> one of my good mates, Will Blackman, who played with you yep. here last season, told me you are one of the genuinely good 
young guys in this league, an amazing, amazing role model and spokesperson for this team, for this city. We thank you so much. We wish you and your Seahawks an upcoming season of glory. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, it. can we hear it for Tyler Lockett? What a lovely man. Can I just say one thing, and now he's gone off stage, he, he told us to dance like shit. <laughs> he said he was only going to do it if we didn't show him up. By the way, Rog actually is an amazing dancer. It's one of the most bizarre things I found out about you at your eldest son's bar mitzvah. Rog is, by the way, Rog who is one of the most depressing human beings that you will ever meet in your life. Put some, put some 1980s funk, soul, R&B and groove on, and he's a wild man. Chicken okay, Rog, we've got to get going because there's another jam-packed day of World Cup football kicking off in just a couple of hours. Coast time. How do you do it? Yeah. How do you live this life? Uh, Costa Rica, Los Ticos versus Serbia. CONCACAF Thunder! Yeah, that's the early game. That's followed by, oh my God, what a great game. The Telemundo game, Germany versus Mexico. Germany, Germany versus London Donovan's Mexico. <laughs> Please watch that on Telemundo. And Brazil versus Switzerland, Rog. Okay, time to take a prophetic shot of Jägermeister. See what tomorrow holds. Rog, who is your Meister of the day? In this Seattle Go Cup, Seattle yeah. State Laws, this yeah. is a floral drink, an exclamation point in a glass. Yeah. It also gives me prophetic powers to look ahead and see who's going to be the meister of the day with my beer and a deer. Hold on okay, one second. Go. Excuse me. Okay. Oh. Oh, meister of the day. Come, I'm sorry for the person that keeps shouting out, Ozel, Ozel, Ozel. As powerful as Jägermeister is, it, it only speaks the truth. And it comes from Brazil's opening game against Switzerland. I am fascinated by this Brazilian campaign, so vulnerable in Rio. Bare bottom spanked by Germany, 7-1. That night, the rain poured over Rio. Devo and I were there, and it seemed like the heavens themselves were crying. So I want to see Bobby Firmino stroll onto the World Cup stage. Oh, I see him. He's such a crazy mix of like the flamboyant, that no-look finisher, and the punishing, hard-working grind that Brazil are going to need both if they are to redeem themselves, which I believe they will, because they are wounded, they are aware of their own mortality, their vulnerability, and thus all the more dangerous. Godspeed, you madman Bobby Firmino. I don't know, Rog. Let me take my sip of Jägermeister. Oh. Wow, that was a big sip. Okay, Rog. This is great because the prophecy is the same as actually my mind told me a few weeks ago in Los Angeles during our live show there. I like me a bit of Javier Hernandez Chicharito. I like that. Proper footballing. 
I'm seeing him doing the unthinkable for him and scoring a goal from outside of the box, Rog. A big Diego, boy goal. Diego Costa did one. He did a big boy goal, so can Chicharito. I like Mexico grabbing a point in this one, Rog, because Mexico have no idea that they're Mexico. In a World Cup, they're going to go and take it to Germany. Okay, Rog, what a night this has been. It isn't over yet. In just a minute, we're going to head to 13 coins. The Pioneer I Square. I, I believe they have beer there. The Pioneer Square location, 13 coins, to wash down this Jägermeister with more Jägermeister. We hope each and every one of you will join us. And Portland GFOPs listening to this fear pod, we are coming for you. <laughs> we're, we're, we're coming to you, Portland, that, by tomorrow the way, night. Po po Portland GFOPs Portland, are just shouting juice. They're going, juice! Portland, we're coming, we're coming very quietly. <laughs> Portland, we're coming to very you in San Francisco and then other cities. Very quietly, we're coming tomorrow night. <laughs> Portland, Portland, special message. Charlie Oboe, love dog. <laughs> very quietly, we're coming to Portland. <laughs> there are a few tickets left for the show at the Crystal Ballroom. You can pick them up at menandblazers.com. Rogelio, take us home. Oh, God, I thought you'd never say that. Seattle, I take away tonight. I want to thank you for telling me a life truth, a truth about life. Secrets about life are very rare, and I've gleaned one tonight, and I'm grateful. I'll never forget. I may get it tattooed on as a tramp stamp. <laughs> Spend more money. Yeah, for many reasons, you don't want that as a tramp stamp. <laughs> you know, I, c I can't actually get as a tramp stamp because I actually have a, a tramp stamp already. It just says tramp stamp. <laughs> Seattle, I want to raise my bud to you one last time. First, a quick thank you to our producer, Jonathan Williamson, J-Dubs. <laughs> Truly the puppet master. I want to thank our live stage producer, John Johnson. That man has won bloody Tonys. We've won them. He's 127. But above all, Davo and I, we want to thank you, Seattle. You are a city that has given this country so much to cheer about when it comes to the game of soccer. Here's a... Now, just, I need to unpack this shit for one second. You have come to a Men in Blazers show in Seattle, and you're either blueing soccer or Seattle. I, or you. Oh, fair enough. All right. All right, good, good, good. Clear. Respect. <laughs> um, here's what I want to say to everyone apart from that man. I, I fucking love you. What you have done for this country. You guys, you guys sometimes take it for granted. Davo said, as a Chelsea fan, he said, sometimes we take winning for granted. What you've done, what you've done for this country is remarkable. This is a special place. It's an honor to be able to join you tonight. It really is to savor the World Cup. We can only hope that when we return, and we will return, that we will find Jordan Morris back and healthy. And the Sounders with another MLS Cup in the cabinet. Until then, I will give you some life advice of my own, which is 
enjoy this World Cup, Seattle. Make great memories together. And remember, take care of each other. We should be kind while there is still time. Courage. Vendapung Raj. Oh, pig. Who wants to sex Matumbo? I like snacks. Balls win, balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To Tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Love you, Rog. Love you, Davo. And we love you, Seattle.